This episode of Imagination Skyway is sponsored by KMV Travel, a boutique travel agency that helps families plan personalized vacations and create unforgettable memories on land and at sea. Not only does KMV Travel specialize in Disney destinations, they also provide travel guidance for most major cruise lines and family theme parks, which means they're your ideal partner whether you're looking to plan that perfect Disney vacation or seeking guidance on venturing somewhere new. Offering assistance with booking accommodations, tickets, dining experiences, ground transportation, stroller rentals, you name it. Like many in the industry, their services are 100% complimentary to guests, but where this team really stands out is their unmatched service from start to finish. From hello to see you real soon, KMV Travel provides the resources and support you need to have a stress-free vacation filled with magic, memories, and more. Listeners of the show can learn more and start planning your next vacation by visiting kmvtravel.com skyway. Welcome aboard Imagination Skyway, your grand podcast tour of the magic. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and in today's episode, we are going to discuss Disney Jollywood Nights. I was fortunate to be able to attend the opening night, which took place on Saturday, November 11th, 2023. It was the first time any of us had the chance to experience this after-hours event at Disney's Hollywood Studios, a brand new holiday event for Walt Disney World, which I was incredibly excited to see. There was a lot to discover between the food and beverages that were offered at this event, the live entertainment, including the stage shows, and the live performances throughout the park, the attractions that we had the chance to ride with minimal or no weight throughout the evening, and so much more. There has, of course, been throughout the last week a lot of information already shared and opinions about Disney Jollywood Nights, but I wanted to come together with a couple of guests and talk a little bit more about some of our personal experiences, our takeaways, perhaps some areas of improvement or things we expect to see that will be taken care of a little bit differently as Disney tests and adjusts moving forward, and some of the reasons why you might want to consider attending Disney Jollywood Nights and who is really best fit for this after-hours experience. At the end of the show, we'll return to Imagination Central, where I'll share ways in which you can stay connected with Imagination Skyway, how you can discuss this topic with other members of our listener community, and how you can help to support and inspire the future of this show. Please remain seated, keep your hands and arms inside the podcast at all times, and enjoy your grand circle tour aboard Imagination Skyway. So this past week, we experienced a brand new event at Walt Disney World, something that we don't always get the opportunity to experience. I have never personally been to an opening night of a brand new Disney event, so it was a real pleasure to get the chance to be there on the opening night for Disney Jollywood Nights, which is a brand new 
holiday events at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Came back with so many thoughts, lots of questions from listeners of the show, and a lot that I wanted to share about my experience at Jollywood Nights. But I also knew that one voice was not enough for this type of discussion because it is so new and because my experiences were so limited with the number of offerings that were available. So brought on a couple of guests. I generally like to start with repeat guests. So the first person I wanted to welcome back to the show is Lou Mangello from a little podcast called WDW Radio. How are you, Lou? Good, Matthew. Thanks very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. It's great to have you. I feel like we've had this discussion before. (laughs) (laughs) So listeners of WDW Radio, you might have already heard. We we had this conversation. Lou and I text each other same day about the same idea. So here we are, flip side of the uh, the discussion. And we'll see if we have same answers, different answers. I have maybe a few extra thoughts since we last spoke, but, but great to have you back. And a new time guest is uh, joining us, which is Kelly Craig from KMV Travel. How are you, Kelly? Doing good. I'm so excited to be here with you both. Yeah, really excited to have you here. I got the chance to say hello to you at Jollywood Nights, and that was before the event began. And then we parted ways, and we haven't spoken since. So I'm very excited to hear what your thoughts are about Jollywood Nights. I I'm excited to to dive in. We're going to kind of start at a high level and then dive into some of the details and we'll offer some of our favorite moments, some highlights, some things that perhaps could be done differently, things that we maybe expect to see at future events um, as Disney continues to tweak and enhance and improve upon the experience. But I want to start, since this is a holiday-inspired episode, I generally ask my new guests rapid fire questions. I did that with Lou before, Um, but because I wanted to try something a little bit different, I have three holiday based questions for both of you, but I will start with Kelly since you are the new guest. I'm going to start with your favorite film to watch for the holiday season. Oh, this is like a deep cut, but do you remember all I want for Christmas? It's from like the early 1990s, just classic 90s Christmas movie. Who was in that film? Oh my goodness. I don't think anybody that we would... Oh, uh, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen was in it. So okay. I think I think I might be... I don't know. Someone may correct me. Um, but just look it up. It's great. You will be very happy you got it. I will add it to my queue for the holiday season. If I have seen it, I obviously don't remember it very well. But that's I love when there's a different answer. Lou, how about you? I'm going to give you a typical Lou Mangiello answer tell you it, it depends on how I'm feeling. If I want something in the background just to laugh, I'm going to put on Elf. And if I want something just to sort of really get to all the emotions and nostalgia, it's a wonderful life. Excellent choices. For me, it's usually Home Alone or Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, because that's where I'm from. And I love seeing all the 90s nostalgia from, from Manhattan and New York City. Uh, but it's just a, a great movie. Next one up is specifically for Lou. So I'll actually start with you for this one, Lou. Um, But I also obviously want to get Kelly's answer as well. Um, As you're cozying up, you know, by the fire waiting for Santa, your favorite holiday snack or beverage? Oh, man. I knew you were going for the snack thing, and I should have had time to think about this one. Um, God, my favorite holiday snack. I'm not a sweets guy, but I am a sweets guy (laughs) deep down. Um... God, I don't know why I don't know. I, I'm totally blanking on the answer. I'm literally blanking on an answer. I'm going to say 
Jesus, Nutella. Fruitcake. No, okay. <laughs> pumpkin pie. A piece of pumpkin pie. That's a good answer. Um, can't go wrong with that. And that's that's good for the, the Halloween season, too. Could go either way. Kelly, how about you? Uh, my mom makes really good almond crescent cookies. So those are always my favorite when I get to go home. Yeah, my mom makes some excellent rainbow cookies. So that's generally my favorite for the holidays. Last one, going back to Kelly first, and we're going to focus this now on Disney. There's so many Disney resorts that you can visit for the holiday season. I love resort hopping during the holidays, but do you have a particular favorite resort that you think really speaks to you during the holiday season or is one that just, you know, you got to go and see the decorations or hear that ambient Christmas music? I love Fort Wilderness. I think for any of these holidays, it's just a completely different world. And if people have never been over there, I definitely encourage them to take the boat over from Magic Kingdom. Um, but definitely for Christmas, it's just there's a certain feeling in the carriage rides that they do. Um, it just really puts you in the Christmas vibe. I love that answer. It's so unique to go over there and something you won't necessarily find at the other resorts. So totally in agreement with you there. Lou, how about you? I, I was the first thing I was going to say was golf cart at Fort Wilderness during the holidays is amazing, but I'll also throw in Wilderness Lodge. Like you really get the feeling of being not in Florida and that cozy sort of warm fireplace, beautiful decoration feel. Yeah, I was going to say Wilderness Lodge as well. In fact, we decided to stay at Wilderness Lodge for this trip, intending to enjoy that experience, forgetting that we're really at the beginning end of the holiday season. So we arrived and we're we immediately said, where is the decorate? Where are the decorations? Um, it was not decorated yet, but still provided that cozy ambience that it was great to even after Dollywood nights go back. And I kind of wandered around feeling like it was my own very large, expansive, but cozy cabin, uh, kind of sat by the fireplace up on the fourth floor, sort of a second fireplace. Not a lot of people know about and I'm just kind of reflected on the evening before heading back to my room. So, to talk specifically about Jollywood Nights, as I said, I kind of want to start uh, not necessarily at the beginning, but at, at this high level and then dive into some of the specifics. And we'll talk about the shows, the 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 food, the experiences that we all had participating in the opening nights of Jollywood Nights. Um, but this was announced initially on June 15th. That was when we heard that there was going to be this new holiday events coming to Disney's Hollywood studios. Kelly, I'll throw this over to you, especially because you are on the agency side. So what were your thoughts when you heard this news of a brand new holiday events coming to Walt Disney World? I was excited about it because I always, every year, have families that come to me for Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party and the tickets are sold out. You know, they're planning their trips a little bit too close maybe, but um, you know, that's just part of the, of planning and um, having this as a second option, I thought was going to be great. Um, when I did start to see some of the first marketing coming out, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, and I now, you know, I think coming out of it, maybe I wouldn't recommend it to all families. Um, but I thought that it was going to be a great option uh, to have during the holiday season. Yeah. Lou, I know you've been around Walt Disney World for a, a while reporting on different events. And it's kind of rare that we get this new type of event experience. So what were some of your expectations from the beginning when you heard about this new event? So I didn't know what to expect, which is not always a bad thing. That sort of excited me because I love Hollywood studios during the holidays. Um, I think uh, the, the retro feel and the retro vibe. So as we started to hear some details about these different zones and different eras that were going to be represented. I was like, I'm all in. Like, this is me. 
I, I literally went because I'd never assume I'll be invited to an event or didn't know how fast it was going to sell out because it was only a limited number of nights. I literally went and I booked a hotel room so I could get early access to tickets. And I bought six tickets like for me and my family. And I knew I wanted to give some away. So I was very much like excited about it without even having the details because I just love this idea of a vintage sort of themed party at Disney's Hollywood studios. Yeah. I like you love this park, especially in the evening. I think that the, the, the lighting, when you add in sort of the music elements of it too, especially during the holidays, it provides a very different type of theme compared to that magic kingdom experience. And I felt like this, obviously the way that they marketed it was going to be geared more towards the adult side was, was not exactly the wording that they used, but you could tell by a lot of the offerings that they were mentioning that this was perhaps going to be, while not exclusively for adults, leaning in that direction and giving people a little bit of a different experience than what they would get at Mickey's very, very Christmas party. So um, I also purchased a ticket for opening night, expecting I was going to end up just going by myself, not really thinking it was something I would bring, especially my you know, almost two-year-old daughter to go and experience. Um, and that's exactly how I ended up going was just sort of going by myself. And that honestly was a great change from other events because it did give me the chance to just fully focus on all the offerings that were there and to, um, you know, try as much as possible. And we'll talk a little bit about our approach to the first night. And then we'll, of course, talk a little bit about some of the things that we would do a little bit differently. But a, a big question that did come up with a lot of listeners as I was sort of posting about the opening night and also opening up for questions that people had about the experience was, obviously, there's now two holiday events at Walt Disney World. You have Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, which has been around for quite a while. And now you have Disney Jollywood Nights. Unlike during the Halloween season, we pretty much just have Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, at least at Walt Disney World. Of course, at Disneyland, we have Oogie Boogie Bash. And during the rest of the year, we generally have one Epcot Festival at a time. There's usually not too much that's offered in terms of this, or we have two, uh, you know, two different events celebrating the same type of thing. So a lot of people were curious what the differences are between Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party and Disney Jollywood Nights. I don't think we necessarily need to go into all the specifics because obviously the specific offerings are different. But Kelly, now that you've been to this event and have, of course, been to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, how do you describe the overall high-level differences between Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party and Disney Jollywood Nights? I think, I mean, you said it when you were talking about, you know, your experience when you were getting um, excited for the event and everything. It really is an adult-centered event. Um, and I say centered because I think that children can go to the event and they can enjoy it um, for Jollywood Nights. But it's really, you know, you'll see even the schedule of uh, when the fireworks are, are going to be at the end of the party versus Mickey's Not a Very Merry Christmas is going to be in the middle of the party. So, you know, families can kind of plan out so they don't have to stay until midnight at Mickey's Very Merry Christmas party. Jollywood's going to be a lot more about, you know, more the entertainment, things like that. You'll see, you know, for the first night, especially, we had hardly anyone on rides, um, which could be a good thing for families 
Mickey's. Um, but, you know, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, you have some of those overlays or different, uh, you know, special experiences at the attractions that you don't have at Jollywood Nights at this point. So, you know, I think it's really dependent on who's the group that's going to be what's going to be the best option for them. Yeah, Lou, I'll throw the same question over to you. Yeah, so Matthew, I think part of the problem was before anybody went to the event, we sort of set expectations and we think this is going to be sort of another Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party-like event. And as we have quickly discovered, it's not. And I think, I think Kelly, you made a great point. You have to sort of know what you're going for. And, and now that we have sort of have one under our belt and we've seen and read reviews that I think run a very wide spectrum of whether some people loved it or did not love it. I think that they are complementary, not contradictory events. Uh, I, I don't think clearly Mickey's very Merry Christmas party is geared more towards families. This is something very different. It's a little bit more of a savor and sip and stroll and relaxed kind of more adult evening. Disney invites you to come and get dressed up sort of in your Hollywood, Jollywood vintage best. So it is, I think, intended to be a different feel and a different vibe. And I think that was part of the problem of this first night was not knowing what to expect, thinking it was going to be Mickey, another Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, and it's not. And I think once you sort of wrap your head around that, then you can decide if it's right for you and if it's something that you want to do in addition to or in lieu of Very Merry. Yeah, it's true. They are very different. I ended up going to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party on Friday night and then Disney Jollywood Nights on Saturday night. So literally back to back. And the events, other than both being at Disney Parks, could really not have been too much more different than they were. Um, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is certainly, as both of you have mentioned, that family experience. It really is, I don't want to say, you know, meant for kids, but it, it has young kids in mind. It is the magic kingdom. You have Kelly, as you mentioned, the parade is usually I think 830 at night. So it's a little bit earlier in the evening. You have stage shows throughout the evening. You have the, uh, the fireworks show, I believe is at 10 PM. Of course you have a second parade at 11 PM. And so it's, it's really, and then I describe it as a very, nostalgic hallmark card feeling as you walk into magic kingdom you have the snow on main street usa you have the joyful music you have the free um you know hot cocoa and cookies and it's just it it really is that sort of christmas card feeling as you walk into the park and you stroll around and meet the characters and ride the attractions and see the decor it's really meant to sort of to to tap into that feeling whereas with jollywood nights my initial impression is it felt like if disney were to host a holiday party for you know if you if you go to a holiday party at work a holiday cocktail party it, it felt very much like that in a disney style so every the park was certainly decked out in a very different type of decor it spoke to that as lou mentioned that vintage christmas feeling that, that that those holiday decorations from you know not necessarily just from the 30s 40s and 50s but a very retro vintage feeling to the decor that was there the music was not just piped in through the area music that you experienced at the park but there was 
there were live musical performances at the park. Of course, it also blended, I felt, more elements of Epcot Festival of the Holidays where you had not necessarily stations to go and grab that, you know, sort of like a treat trail, free cookie, free hot cocoa, but you could pick and select different locations to go to to purchase small plates, snacks, beverages, you know, both adult cocktails as well as non-alcoholic versions of many of the beverages that were there. And then many desserts. I certainly had my fair share of sugar over both of those evenings events, but uh, it really did, I think, have a, a completely different vibe. And then Lou, to your point as well about the fact that people dressed up in that Hollywood vintage, almost dapper day type of style. It also gave the park a completely different feeling. I, you know, I felt like it really did, as I mentioned before, sort of speak more to an adult audience. I did see kids. I think there are some things for kids to do, but, you know, Lou even mentioned on your show, there's no child's ticket for this event. Unlike Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, you have the adult price ticket and the the child's price ticket. This is just an event ticket price. And so that really, and it, and in some way kind of speaks to even what Disney was trying to speak to at this party was a, a completely different vibe. So um, we'll, of course, talk more about, um, you know, some of the specifics, as I mentioned, and perhaps this is a good point to highlight some of the details of the event for those who might not have heard of Disney Jollywood Nights yet or haven't looked into it too deeply. There are, and I'll, I'll since it, people did ask about the differences between this and Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, sort of highlight a few of the key differences between the two of them. So we know that the event takes place from select nights, November 11th through December 20th. When I looked, there were actually five in November and five in December. That compares to 25 nights for Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Prices for Disney Jollywood Nights ranged from $159 to $179 with a $10 discount for annual pass holders or Disney Vacation Club members. The Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party price also starts at $159 but goes up to $199 for that adult ticket. The child's ticket ages 3 to 9. is $149 to $189. The event timing is also different for this event, and that was one of the things, especially for me being an early riser, early to bed type of guy, seeing an 8.30 p.m. start time, 12.30 a.m. end time. Certainly, I was I was knowing that I had to, you know, have an extra cup of coffee in the middle of the day just to power through the whole day. But to be fair, it was such a fun experience. I didn't even realize by the end of the night what time it was. Um, and guests could enter the park at 7 p.m. So that's a four hour event. You compare that to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, which starts at 7 p.m., runs until midnight. Guests can enter the park at 4 p.m. Still, that's a, a five hour event. Of course, Magic Kingdom many more attractions, really a lot more when you look at the list of offerings, more itemized offerings at Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. But this event did include a live stage show called Disney Holidays in Hollywood, which of course we'll talk about, a another stage show that took place in a Hyperion Theater called What's This? Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas Sing-Along, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bam, which is a fireworks show, nighttime spectacular we've seen in previous years, took place very close to the end of the night um they had these as lou alluded to zones throughout the party so over at the abc commissary 
an event called or a, a zone called Holiday Fiesta and La Calle, this sort of, um, you know, Latin American inspired holiday music. Twilight Soiree at the Tip Top Club over at the courtyard outside the exits to Tower of Terror. And a, I wouldn't call this a zone, but another place that you could go to enjoy a sort of a sit down meal the at the Hollywood Brown Derby. They had the jazzy holidays with a, a live performance, um, sort of in that, again, that jazz style over there. You had character meet and greets. There were a number of characters you can meet. Some of the rare ones included Paraline Max, Phineas and Ferb, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Disney Photo Pass, which is included, and in those downloads are included in the cost of the ticket. Lots of really unique Disney Photo Pass offerings that I saw. And then access to a lot of the existing parks, attractions, and dining. Uh, so you could, in addition to the 60-plus snacks and beverages you could purchase specifically for this event, you could have gone over to even Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and had a blue milk or head over to Backlot Express and ordered one of the standard, you know, daytime entrees or beverages that you could get over at that location. And I would say a, a large number of the attractions were open. Certainly most of the rides were open throughout the evening. Um, and then just a, a few select, of course, like daytime shows or other experiences that were being used for Disney Jollywood nights were not operating at that time. But a, a large number of, of attractions, including you know Tower of Terror was open, Rock and Roller Coaster, uh, Toy Story Mania, Slinky Dog Dash, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance with a virtual queue. Uh, so a lot of, if you wanted to have sort of an after-hours experience, there's a lot of that that was offered at this event too. So going into the event experience, um, you know, Kelly, I'll throw it over to you. And you and I, when we spoke before the party, were talking about our approach, what our priorities were. I think for all three of us, we really didn't know what to expect until we arrived, got that park map and saw what was offered there we had just sort of gotten a, a high level before then um so kelly throwing it over to you first what was your approach or your priority list for the things that you knew that you wanted to get to throughout the evening so i knew that we were going to leave the shows until the end because i feel like that's just like you know pro tip number one that we all learn with these events is that it's going to get super busy in the beginning and then it kind of dwindles down a bit at the end. Um, but I was so excited about the tip top soiree that I wanted to go right over there. And I was like, let's just kind of map this out, feel how that's going to be. Um, so we went over there and we got to see that. And then we kind of started to pivot to do attractions because we realized that the lines were pretty long for a lot of the um, different beverage locations and um, places that we could try out some of the snacks and things. Um, but honestly, I feel like it all worked out super well for us because we wound up getting to lines for food when there was, you know, five people in the line versus when I saw 150 people. Um, so, you know, I think like you're, you're saying, you always have to go in with that priority list, uh, but definitely pivot when you need to. Yeah. Pivoting is important. Um, Lou, where did you go to first or where was your mind, you know, in terms of that game plan for that evening? So I really didn't have one, Matthew. I really went in blind. Like I wanted to just go like as a normal guest and just sort of, and literally, you know, crack open the map and look and see what was going on where. And to sort of quickly go back to your, your, you know, metaphor of, of Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party being like a Hallmark card that like you'd pick up at Walgreens. I think Jollywood is like a Norman Rockwell painting. And what That's I mean by analogy. that is, because of it's not just the decor and the music, but I think it's also the pace. And I think this is where 
it, it, how you choose to take advantage of what this um, party has to offer is very subjective because there are some people who might say, I want to try all the food. I need to go see all the shows. I want to, other people might say, I want to go and take advantage of the fact that there's no lines for anything because I'm only here for a couple of days with my family. And I think having those expectations beforehand and having people seen, have, having like, you know, people like you having gone before and sharing your experience is going to be helpful for the people that will come after. Because I was sort of like a little deer in the headlights. Like, well, I have to be here at 930. I got to be there at 1030. So I was sort of using those time sensitive um, moments as sort of what would sort of dictate the rest of my night. And then I was just trying to, you know, grab content and food and photos and videos as much as I could in between that. I'm going back on Monday and I'm going to go in with a very different approach, right? I'm going to go in saying, okay, I want to make sure I go back to see the soiree because that was my favorite part. I want to go back and try some of the food I didn't. I, I acknowledge that I'm that I'm local, right? So attractions are not an attract door for me at this party because I could normally go, you know, whenever I visit the, the parks. So that's not what I'm using my ticket for, but there are other people that that is important to them being able to get access to some of those attractions that might normally have long lines. Yeah. I, first of all, a huge Norman Rockwell fan. We have several paintings around the house of Norman Rockwell. So now that you mentioned that analogy, I am ashamed. I didn't think of it sooner because you're right. It is that sort of um, that famous Christmas shot of Stockbridge um, that many people might recognize. It does have that feeling to it. And I love that analogy because it does have a slower pace to it. And I think that probably to your point is where some of the, the disappointment came in um, and perhaps I don't want to say so. there obviously was a lack of understanding of what the event was going to be for all of us because uh, this is completely new. There was no preview day. You know, we sometimes get those cast previews or media previews, and that gives us a little bit of a flavor so we can go in day one with an understanding of maybe what we want to try to do. Um, but this for all of us was was the first night. Um that any of us were seeing this in action, including the cast members that were there. So it was brand new for all of us, which made it a, a very challenging to your point to come up with a game plan. I literally arriving at the park at 6.15, getting into the park at the front entrance. I think I walked in around 6.45, knowing the event was not going to start until 8.30. Cracked open the app, looked at the list of things that were there once we got that QR code uh, to to kind of see everything that was offered and came up with my priority list of things I was going to go to first. I did the reverse method that Kelly did, which is probably a mistake. So I went straight to Holidays in Hollywood because I was in a D23 Expo mindset and thinking if there's a stage show and there's only two of them, I have to get there you know, five hours early to get a good spot. I sure enough ended up getting there about an hour before and was maybe the hundredth person in line and said, well, I probably can go walk around a bit more. But I spent that time <laughs> figuring out after holidays in Hollywood what I was going to do. And upon exiting that show, quickly realized that my game plan was going to have to change because Kelly, you talked about the fact that, you know, some of the lines did have at some times throughout the evening, 100, 150 people. Not that I sat there and counted, but when I walked out of Holidays in Hollywood, I was thinking I was going to go over to Fairfax Fair right across the way, 
to get that holiday popover, which I was really excited to try until I realized that the line was, you know, down Sunset Boulevard and back towards Catalina Eddie's that it was going to take me a while. So if I wanted to get to other experiences, I had to pivot quickly and try something else. I ended up never having to wait more than 10 minutes for any given food or drink just because I was able to sort of eyeball where the long lines were and where they weren't and adapt throughout the evening. But you're right, there was really no way to go into this with a completely accurate game plan. Sometimes we go to the parks and we know if you want to ride Peter Pan's flight, you don't have Genie Plus, that's your priority attraction, you go there first. That's going to be the ride that is going to have those 60 to 90 minute waits throughout the rest of the day, or you get straight in line, rope drop, Seven Dwarves Mine Train. It's very predictable most days of the year how the crowds are going to flow through the parks. But this not only is a brand new event, but I've also been saying that the type of person who goes to an opening night is a little different than the type of person who goes to any other night, especially when you don't have the media preview. So Lou, of course, you were there. I was there, both from a media perspective, trying to get content. And we were certainly not the only ones. Just about any Disney creator you can think of was was at that event. I passed many of them throughout the evening several times, um, all getting content. And that's a little bit different than the standard guest who is going maybe to have perhaps a more relaxed pace or someone who, you know, is is not there necessarily to get the photos of you know the the most noteworthy items to then document and post it to Instagram, but they just want to try the things that are most interesting to them. So I think that alone made the first night very, very different. Then add in the fact that the cast members were first of all amazing. I, I need to say like every cast member I encountered was enthusiastic, having such a good time. I passed by Fiesta in La Calle, there was a custodial cast member dancing alongside the band. It was just an absolute blast. But because the cast members were new to this too, like again, nobody nobody really knew how the evening was going to go or how the guest flow was going to play out. But uh, for either of you, were there any other thoughts you had about some of the, the differences maybe for a first night um, for an event like this, especially when there isn't a preview? Uh, so I, I was just going to, I'm sorry, go ahead. Ladies first. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, no, I, I was just going to say, no, but I didn't want to force you both to answer. That's all right. We figured it out. We're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm local too. So I think that, you know, I went in with a different expectation than probably people that this is their one chance to, to go. Um, but I think, you know, you make a good point. When was the last time that we had an experience like this, where this is the first time, you know, for a brand new event at Disney World. Um, so I'm excited because I do have tickets for another night to see kind of how things have moved along. But I think, you know, for hopefully anyone that was able to experience that first night, they were able to kind of see like the bones of this event and how there's opportunities to, um, you know, make changes and things like that. But I agree with you, the cast members were one of the best pieces of this event. Um, I think overall the entertainment was, but the cast was such a huge part of that. Um, all of the plain uh, closed cast members were dressed up in their, you know, dapper outfits, um, which was just such a fun piece of it. And it was like we were getting to experience this for the first time with them, like you're saying. So that was really cool. Yeah. So, it, you know, I think there's a couple of things at, at play when when you talk about a first night. Right. And, and we talked about this earlier, Matthew, that one, you know, it's like the first time that you open up a store, a restaurant, 
you sort of can hopefully predict what you think is going to happen. And then you put real human beings in there and they do something completely different, right? You don't know what the flow is going to be. You don't know what the attractors are going to be. You don't know where the bottlenecks and stuff are going to be. So I think it's super hard. And, and I think it's almost unfair sometimes to judge an opening night. I never, ever, ever do it. This is unique for me because I was invited to go that first night. I normally would have waited and, and I'm still sort of reserving judgment until I go back again. And I think too, you know, you talked about how so many people there are creators in whatever sort of medium and platform that they use. But I think when we go into an event like this, and I'll speak for myself, right? I'm trying to be as self-aware as possible. When we go into an event like this with the mindset of capture and creation mode, I think we lose a lot of the actual experience. I think that sometimes that makes potential reactions a little bit jaded why because we're 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 not watching the stage show we're watching our screen we're not watching this thing we're thinking about how i'm going to frame this in terms of content so you know disney doesn't know what this is going to be like we don't know what this is going to be look like look like and i'm looking forward to going back in non-content capture mode like i'm looking to going back with friends and family and having one under not just my belt but disney having one or two under their belt as well, because I think the experience I'm going to have on Monday is going to be, I say this respectfully, hopefully different and improved where some of those bottlenecks and, and non-guest satisfiers were. Yeah, I think it's hard, to your point, to predict that opening night, you, you talk about humans behaving differently than you know in person than they do on paper. And I think that was definitely the case that people congregated over certain areas that were perhaps higher on the list for everybody, whether they saw it much sooner, it was highlighted more in that incredible looking, you know, especially the food and and drinks, the photography, some of those, you know, like the key 10 or so shots you put into an Instagram carousel that Disney would post, like those were maybe the top 10 items that people went after for that opening night. But Lou, you're right that when it comes to especially folks like us, I remember not too long ago, you know, for, I've been doing this show now for seven and a half years. And every time I go to Disney now, it's especially cause I'm not local. It's not just, okay, I'm here to vacation. It's also, this is my opportunity to get those 10,000 or so you know photos and videos for social media and grab some content for the podcast and take some notes on some things. And this past summer, I actually ended up taking an actual vacation. I, left my, not only my phone at home, but I left all my podcast equipment at home. I went in with no goals other than to just go and enjoy time with my family. And it was the first vacation in, you know, that seven years that I actually left. And almost that feeling you talk about with other guests where there, you know, the magical express used to pull up and you would, you know, get those tears in your eyes. Like, I don't want to go. It was the first time I actually had that feeling in a very long time where I was truly sad to leave because I was really present and focused on my family, the experience, going with the flow, having a great time. I think that's certainly, I would hope to go back and I do expect I would like to go back to Jollywood Nights and maybe have that experience. Again, I don't think I'm taking my two-year-old with me to this event, but I can, even if I go with friends or go by myself focus more on the experience of really being there and not worry so much about, you know, the content I need to get or where those long lines might, might 
B or making sure I, I hit every single item I need to on my priority list. But you know, we've been bouncing around some of the offerings that were included in this experience. So I want to make sure that we get to some of it. I want to start with the zones because I think that was a very different aspect of Disney Jollywood Nights compared to any other event that I've been to at Disney. And in my opinion, one of the best parts of the night. Um, so two of the the biggest sort of zones that you could sort of walk by were, you know, I mentioned Holiday Fiesta and La Calle over at the ABC Commissary and then, or just outside ABC Commissary. And then the Twilight Soiree at the Tip Top Club, which I think was all three of our favorites. Um, Kelly, I'll throw this one over to you first as well. Did you get the chance to experience both of these or what were your overall thoughts about the the zones. Oh, and I forgot to mention, by the way, there's also a DJ kind of tucked away in the courtyard, but a DJ over on Hollywood Boulevard as well. So I feel like I kind of got, um, I got gypped with, uh, Fiesta. Uh, oh my goodness. I'm not going to say it correctly. So, um, the Fiesta, <laughs> but yes. All right. Good, good. Um, but yeah, I feel like I got a little gypped on that one. Cause when I walked by, it was kind of, um, one of the moments when the performers were taking a break. Um, so I did get to see one of the performers, but I didn't get really the full vibe of that. Um, but I did think when I, you know, looked at the offerings where it was going to be, I was like, that's perfect with the lights that are there and the way that that's, uh, you know, that areas um, just set up. And I thought that was a great use of space that they had there. Um, and then to also have those food offerings that were right in the commissary that kind of aligned with that. Um, but I think that the Twilight so Soiree was great. It's like everything that we've all wanted from, you know, the Tower of Terror um, and being able to experience that. And, you know, you really felt like you were a continuation of that attraction. Um, I think there was definitely some crowd issues over in that area but i don't know if that's specific to the first night because you know you had everyone that's these diehard disney fans that are going to this and you know we're the ones that are probably going to be super excited for that um but i think you know that's also crowd control disney can make changes to um, but the overall just idea of that area i think was great lou how about you you know the the twilight soiree was really interesting because even as you approached tower there was decorative bunting outside. So you started to sort of get a little bit almost like of a pre-show of what was to come. You could tell that there was something special going on there. But what I did find out was a lot of people approached, turned around and walked away because they see this huge line saying, well, I obviously can't, get, whatever this thing is, and I have no idea, I can't get in, not realizing that that 100-yard line, and that's not much of an exaggeration, was for the bar. The poor single bartender, like all the way in the back, was, you know, desperately trying to mix and make all these specialty cocktails. But what a lot of people didn't realize was that the entertainment and what it was for me, leaps and bounds, the highlight of the night, um, that that jazz trio and the, the singer was just remarkably good. Like that is where I'm going next. Um I like the idea of the zones. I think it didn't necessarily, people didn't didn't sort of click right away. Like there's like the 80 zone around Echo Lake, which you have sort of had to put the pieces together because you saw Powerline Max there and you saw Phineas and Ferb there. So like, oh, this is like a retro 80s and 90s, not retro 30s and 40s or not, you know, the, the Latin zone that was over on Commissary Boulevard. Or it, 
Disney fans are so interesting because if there's a line, they're going to get in it, right? And the Hollywood Brown Derby, I think, is a perfect example of that. There's jazzy holidays at the Brown Derby. We, nobody knows what's happening inside, but it was, you know, I, I, will, I won't do my really bad Charlton Heston impression. It was a madhouse. Like it was a madhouse out front just to sort of see what was happening inside with, with the pianist and the food, et cetera. Kelly, I know, um, well, I didn't get to go to Hollywood Brown Derby. I know Lou did. Did you get to go? No, I completely missed that uh, walk up uh, opening there. So, but I think like most people, we completely missed it. Um, but, you know, I listened to Lou's and your podcast before, and it sounds like I didn't miss too much. I don't know. All that is up to Lou because I, <laughs> I I chose to. Um, it's not that I, as I said on the show, like I I could have gone if I wanted to. I If there's a, a ride that I want the virtual queue for, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm going to get it. Like I just, I'm very good about being able to accomplish what I want to accomplish, but I prioritized thinking I had to prioritize and, and sort of sacrifice like I would at any event where there's so much offered. Um, you know, I, I kind of picked and chose what I did. And so I decided not to go to Hollywood Brown Derby, but Lou, what was the experience like for you? So I'm going to give you the, the lawyer, but honest answer. Like it really depends, Matthew, like the, the Brown Derby is different than any of the other areas where you're just walking up you're listening to live entertainment, whether you're in the front or you're 10 people deep and just sort of enjoying what's happening on the street. We're here. This is a more relaxed, leisurely sit down experience. They have a new bar menu. They have a new a new light bite menu. So if you want something that is not, you know, stand up and eat it on a trash can or, or you know, try and find a, a high top somewhere and you want to have a little bit more of a laid back, sit there for 45 minutes to an hour with a with a um, a pianist playing not just Christmas tunes, but some other songs as well. That's what that experience is. That's not everybody's cup of tea. And that's maybe not how you want to spend potentially an hour, hour and a half out of a party that is, you know, four and a half, five hours long. We just, we got very lucky. We were in early. We were out fast because you know, again, we were in content capture mode. So we're like, all right, eat fast, pay fast. Let's get out because we have to move to the next station. But it was a little bit more of a leisurely relaxed experience. I had sliders and a non-alcoholic cocktail. They were both amazing. But again, I wasn't just, let's just hang here for an hour. It's, we have to go to the thing that's next. I guarantee because there were so many issues, including a bug in the walk-up um a virtual queue system where everybody got a 10 minute return time, which, which did not necessarily work. Um, hopefully that is going to be a, a much more streamlined and improved process for upcoming parties. I'll find out on Monday just for that purpose, just to see. Yeah. I expect that those little glitches, I know the other aspect of this party, they probably could not predict was that there were going to be so many people in the park. So I know that Kelly, you ended up waiting on that long queue to get the wristband and lanyard in the park at the the play theater. I can't try to remember the name of the the location, but it's yeah. over on Echo Lake. And I heard that was all the way back to Batu at some point. Whereas if you were entered in the front of the park, it would have been a, a very like that they they obviously very much knew how to operate it. It was a very quick, seamless, well organized experience. Um, but I anticipate that by by night two, 
that in park wristband experience is going to be totally different than it was on that first night just because he could i don't think they expected that many people to already be in the park when the attraction began sorry when the uh when the event began um the one thing i noticed about my experience as i was reflecting back and did, did not talk about this necessarily in the podcast with lou but the places that i waited for food generally had entertainment there so the big one for me was again going to abc commissary that was where i decided to get my you know sort of second dinner for the evening since it was already 9 30 at night but try some of the small plates that were there and as i was waiting in line outside there were was the entertainment for fiesta and la calle right there so i was sort of you know tackling two things at once getting in line for that food that i wanted and standing right next to some live entertainment that i got to enjoy as i was waiting in line sort of moving up um until i got inside and then it was just five minutes until i was there ordering my food and and uh and getting it so i think it probably would have been although i was not i'm not a big cocktail guy so i was not lining up for that cocktail stand over at the twilight soiree which i also agree was probably my favorite part of the evening um but i imagine if i were standing there having the opportunity to enjoy the live performance while also waiting for my food it would have made i think a different experience than just waiting in a long queue without anything there and feeling like i'm wasting time or needing to get to that next thing um so that not that i think that they need to add zones to you know the middle of sunset boulevard and to echo lake and to uh you know all the other parts of the park but um that's just also something to consider is that if there is a food stand or place that they're offering these you know over 60 snacks and beverages that also has live entertainment that's a way that you actually can see the live entertainment and wait in line to get that food or beverage item as well but i think it's just those two locations that had something nearby to enjoy um but let's talk about food a little bit uh, you know as i said there's there were over 60 <laughs> different snacks and beverages you could have joy- enjoyed throughout the evening lou you mentioned you went to the uh hollywood brown derby got those those sliders what else did you get the chance to sample throughout the evening um not a lot because i was trying to sort of prioritize capturing again i was in the mindset of capturing as much as i could uh, i did go into abc commissary later on at night with a friend of mine there was really no lines um, a, a lot of latin inspired food there as it was like uh, birria tacos i had a non-alcoholic pina colada something something drink um and one of the desserts which i know a lot of people talked about they loved it was like i think a um there was a like a chocolate ganache cake um like a hot chocolate ganache cake um but i wasn't at least for that night i, I wasn't prior prioritizing a lot but i really liked the fact that there were so many different things. And for a lot of people, those were the reasons that they were bouncing throughout the park. It was just to see and experience and taste, and in many cases, share the the different food options, both sweet and savory. Yeah. it. You know, thinking again about how this compares, it would be like, especially, it wasn't quite to this magnitude, but, um, you know, over at Epcot Festival, the holidays. I don't want to say food and wine festival because that's a little bit of a, above and beyond. But if you were to try to get to every booth available at the festival, of the holidays at Epcot, you'd be spending the whole evening doing that just because of how much was offered um, throughout the park. Again, not quite 
that much. Hollywood Studios is not quite as large as Epcot. There's not quite as many booths. This is not um, as long time running and expansive as some of these festivals are at Epcot. But that was almost an, you could have had a festival-like experience at Disney's Hollywood Studios with live entertainment and just had that been the focus of your entire, you know, four-hour event. Um, Kelly, did you get the chance to eat or sample or drink anything new throughout the evening? Yeah, I was, uh, I went with my husband and my aunt and my cousin. And so they had got, my aunt, my cousin had kind of left for the evening. And the only thing my husband wanted to do was to get the Gertie cookie. Um, and I was like, we we're going to stand in such a long line. But thankfully, when we went over there, there was like five people in line and the Gertie cookie did not disappoint. Um, it was great. And I also tried one of the plant-based options. So the gingerbread bites that they have at some of the vending locations, um, those were also really good. So I was happy with my options and didn't have to uh, stand in too long a line. But I agree with Lou for the next time that I go, I think I'll probably prioritize some of the food a little bit more now that I know what's where and you know like you said matt that there is all of this entertainment that you can watch at a lot of the different locations too yeah i i only tried a few things as well because i i i chose as i call it the sampler method i want wanted a little bit of food a little bit of entertainment a little bit of live stage shows a little bit of attractions just kind of getting a feel for the entire experience so i ended up going to abc commissary i got the chicken empanadas the uh burrito tacos which lou mentioned that's probably my favorite thing there and that's um, hot cocoa cheesecake with spiced chocolate and a rumchata whipped cream. It was very, very interesting, very good. And then over at Dockside Diner, which had almost no wait when I went, it was, you know, within five minutes I was ordering my food. Uh, the Sandy Claus hot cocoa, which was a dark chocolate, hot chocolate um, with a cherry whipped cream in the, in the style or inspired by Nightmare Before Christmas. And then the Christmas tree cookie stack, um, which had, it was, it literally looked like a, a Christmas tree made of cookies in different layers in between, um, filled with different types of, uh, I think there was a, like a, a raspberry jam and, a, um, I can't remember all the three layers, but it was, it was very good. Uh, speaking of Nightmare Before Christmas, there were two shows that were a part of the event that you could line up to experience they offered three i think three for each of these maybe four um for the nightmare before christmas one but <clears throat> there was the what's this tim burton's night before nightmare before christmas sing-along long name over at the hyperion theater um kelly did you get the chance to see this yeah, so we went to the last show of the evening, um, just kind of walked right in as it was going to start off. Um, so we were seated kind of on the end of a row, but that worked for us. Um, still had really good, uh, you know, line of sight and everything. Um, and I loved this. I was a little concerned because I went in with two people that have never seen Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, so I did have to, you know, keep kind of looking at them and they were like, this is going to be spooky, scary. Um, so it, if it wasn't for a kid, it probably would have been spooky, scary. Um, but I thought it was great. It was like you were in a black box theater type of feel. It was like this, you know, experimental theater. I felt like with the people that were on the stage and they were, you know, pantomiming. Um, and then to see the Jack puppet come out, there was, I mean, the crowd honestly went wild when it happened. Um, so I think this was a great piece of this event and one that I hope that they'll, you know, kind of bring back elements of this into other things that they do too. Yeah. Lou, I believe you got the chance to see this as well. I did. Um, and I had no idea what to expect, you know, other than what I had seen in that theater before in terms of things like the, the frozen sing along. 
And, you know, Matthew, the, the word that keeps coming up, the more I've thought about this event is perspective, because I, you know, I come from a, a theater background, so I appreciated the, the pantomime and there's no dialogue. Some people, that's not their thing, right? That, that doesn't resonate with them. That doesn't jive with them. Same thing with Nightmare Before Christmas. Some people love it. Some people d- didn't. I came out of there. And again, I, I try and listen as, as, you know, as much as I talk, I try and listen. And some people are like, this is it. This is the thing for me that turned Jollywood night into this must do event because I loved it so much. Other people were like, meh, I don't get the pantomime. It's not my, it's not my vibe. Um, so it, it's so, it, and we, we saw it a couple of times too. There was a time I was walking around in terms of, of perspective and there was uh, a couple it was a couple sitting down just quietly like sitting and i heard one person go look there's nothing to do here look how bored they are there's nowhere them to go and somebody else goes no look at them they're just enjoying the atmosphere and the ambiance and the music and i'm like you two people saw the exact same thing and your perspective is so is so totally different if you don't believe me, check X and YouTube and Facebook. <laughs> like, <laughs> just how very, but the same thing too for, for the Nightmare Before Christmas show. Yeah, this was the one thing I regretted not getting the chance to see. And ironically, one of the things I would have taken my daughter to see because I, I don't know, maybe it makes me a kind of weird dad, but I thought, let me show her Nightmare Before Christmas, you know, for Halloween, just a year and a half. I don't know what she's, I thought she'd be creeped out by it. She loved it so much that she has asked to watch it so many times during the Halloween season and going into the fall. And it actually ended up helping us a little bit when it came to meeting Santa this year, because last year she met Santa and could not stop crying, was terrified, even despite us holding her with the photo. She now thinks because of Nightmare Before Christmas, Santa Claus is a Disney character. So we went and met Santa at Magic Kingdom. She had a blast. And I asked her, what do you want for, what are you going to tell Santa you want for Christmas? And I swear to God, the word that came out of her mouth was Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) So this would have been the show that I would have taken her to. Um, Kids say the darndest things, but I did get to miss this one, but the one I did not miss and why prioritized i was there for the again i was thinking it's d23 expo i have to get there five hours early um disney holidays in hollywood get it got a great seat because i was like the hundredth person in line um but uh kelly did you get to experience this one yeah so we went to the second to last one so it you know like i said it worked out great we did this one and then we just hopped on over to nightmare before christmas um but i loved this i love white christmas the christmas movie um and this just had that element like you could feel you know the same type of uh just broadway aspects of it um really like the hallmark moments like you're talking about um it was I think the storyline that they had throughout it was great. And then you could see they were really playing to the fans. So having Kermit and Miss Piggy in it, um, you know, as a nineties kid, having the bell song from uh, the enchanted Christmas, I thought was amazing. I think that I like hit my husband's arm when it started. Um, but I think they just did a great job with this and it fits so well in that theater too, with the art deco uh, design that it has there. Yeah. And Lou, I know you got to see it as well and you have that theater background. So what were your thoughts about holidays in Hollywood? So it's interesting because when I first walked in, I didn't sort of know what the story was. It was about five minutes in. I'm like, oh, they're sort of leaning into this idea of these vintage Hollywood TV specials with sort of a, 
you know, contemporary twist and a little, you know, dancing with the stars element in it too. I think having look Muppets make everything better. Right. And you talked about that nineties bell, a more modern Tiana, a brand new Christmas song. And that finale duet between Mickey and Minnie was fantastic. Right. So Again, I was trying not to look through the lens as much as I was, you know, one eye through the lens and one eye on the show. But the way that I was really sort of judging it was when the, the quote unquote curtain went down, like the audience went wild. Like in the show that I was in, the audience went wild, like screaming and yelling, like cheering and applauding. That really seems to be for a lot of people, the highlight of, uh, of Jollywood Nights was this show, which again, I think will continue to sort of tweak and improve. That was the very first time we all had seen it on stage. Um, I'll be, I'm, you know, I'll definitely go back and see it again on Monday. I'm curious to see how it may have, you know, the timing will obviously get better and certain things will continue to get better. But I like that lean into, again, that, that vintage Christmas with a little bit of some modern touches on top. Yeah, this was definitely a highlight for me. I'm glad I went to go see it first because it, it set the bar for a very great night from the very beginning. I feel like if you're the type of person who wears the t-shirt that says it's always MGM Studios to me, this show speaks to you because it really did have a very old school MGM Studios vibe to it with a Christmas twist. It was meant to feel like, to lose point, you were in the audience for a live television show or television special that was being broadcasted. And so they even went to commercial breaks, which was so clever. They did live live performances on stage during those, you know, quote unquote commercial breaks. Lights came back on. You heard this announcer saying, all right, everybody, you know, five minutes to showtime. All right, audience, let's get into it. It's time to go. It, it was just so well done from that that setting uh, of the of what the stage show was. And then again, to, uh, what's already been mentioned, those live performances really were so energizing seeing just the reveal of Kermit and Miss Piggy knowing that they were a part of the show, but the way in which they were introduced on stage was so well done. Loved the Mickey Minnie duet at the end. Love the fact that Tiana had an original song. Um, you know, I think you could argue, is it better to have a song that everybody knows the words to or something that's completely new? I really liked the fact that there was something new and the other element of it I was not expecting at all was the fact that there was a live band on stage performing the music, which does not happen a lot at events like these. So that added a completely different energy that you not only have now outside of the attractions, these live zones with live entertainment, but a stage show that also has a live band that's there. It really, Kelly used the word Broadway. It felt like I was in a Broadway show, a very short one, you know, 30 minutes, but it felt like I was in a Broadway show. So um, I did, I, I heard the same things that Lou did coming out of that, that show. I mean, it really, it really was something that I wanted to go back and experience again. And for me, one of the, the best parts of the evening, um, just a, a couple of a final things we haven't spoken about. There were there were photo pass offerings. There were character meet and greets. We kind of alluded to these. I didn't really get the chance to do either of these. I didn't prioritize meeting the characters. I just kind of wanted to walk by and see who there was and what their outfits were. And that was kind of it. And in the photo pass spots I, is the only thing I regret because I heard that there were some 
incredible shots um, that were offered. And again, the downloads included with the the cost of the event ticket. And um, so, Kelly, did you get to any either of the characters? I think, don't think you said you got to the characters, but did you get to the photo pass spots? No, I didn't do either of those. I think those are two things that I never really prioritize. Um, but those are also two pieces that if you do have kids with you are probably ones that, you know, you should look at going to in the beginning of the evening to make sure you get those. Yeah, if I were, and that's why I said if I if I did have Maggie with me, <laughs> my priorities would be totally different. We went to Magic Kingdom the day after and we did nothing but meet characters. Um, that's, and I, I absolutely love, and I, I don't say that, you know, begrudgingly i i love meeting the characters with maggie it's my favorite thing to do um lou did you get the chance to do either of these so i'm not normally a character and a photo op guy but i was you know walking around throughout the night with a couple of friends and we took advantage of them because there were some really there were unique ones that robotic arm magic shot which is over by playhouse disney and there's a a camera array shot in um also in that at the in the animation courtyard and then you know the photo pass, i was just expecting the photo pass picture to come but they were they create these cool little like video clips and they merge a lot of the stuff together like they were unique in terms of the deliverables not just the experience there i didn't even realize it until i looked it was actually after we recorded i went back and i looked and i was like oh there's this cool little video vignette that they put together from the, the couple of places that I went that I thought was neat. There's also a, a cool neon sign at the very entrance of Hollywood Boulevard that unfortunately I missed. I just never made it back down that part of the park until the end of the night. So for some people, again, it we keep going back to this. Like you have to know why you want to go and what you want to get out of this event. And if some of those photo ops and characters in certain costumes and characters that you can't see is is important to you then yeah that's something that you should prioritize you'll get some unique stuff that you won't get anywhere else yeah i i would have loved to have it's a reason for me to go back is to uh to go and experience those uh the the last thing and we we did you know before we get to some some final thoughts um that we we mentioned in the beginning and i think lou you mentioned this as well you didn't do the attractions because you're local and you could go and do them whenever you want i wanting to see what the attractions looked like <clears throat> for this after hours event. You know, sorry, the evening I sort of walked past, I think everybody walked past tower of terror and saw it said 13 minutes, pretty much the entire night. And it's true. I, I know many people went, they got elevator cars to themselves. It was just a lot of fun. I walked over to the rock and roller coaster courtyard. It looked like the end of the night. There was literally two or three people kind of like running in. And then you just saw them a minute later going around the, uh, the front entrance into the building that had a posted five minute wait. I guarantee you would have walked right onto that attraction. My favorite part of the evening, I did walk through Toy Story Land. That was the only part of the park that I saw actual wait times. It was a 15 minute posted wait for Toy Story Mania, which to me maybe means that they were not operating at full capacity for the attraction or it broke down. It didn't seem like it was normal. Um, and then Slinky Dog Dash had a 20 minute wait, which for that attraction is expected. It's one of the most popular attractions there. But then I walked through Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And for me, this was worth the cost of the ticket. There was nobody in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run was a walk on. Oga's Cantina, they were outside Oga's Cantina asking people to come in, which never happens during park operations or normal park hours. The uh, 
milk stand was open with no weight. Um, Ket settles, or, or correct the name, uh, <laughs> the popcorn stand. Um, it's escaped my memory, but that also open, no weight. The merchandise locations in Blackspire Outpost open, no weight. At least the the outdoor vendors. I didn't go into uh, Doc Ondar, so I didn't see if that was open. Star Wars Rise of the Resistance was a virtual queue, but when I walked past, it didn't look like Tron Light Cycle Run in the middle of the day, it, or Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. It looked like Star Wars Rise of the Resistance at the very end of the day. Even those that were tapping in, there was maybe just kind of like staggering in a few people at a time. I thinking I needed to be, again, like a normal park day, very quick at 8 p.m., went to go get my boarding group for Rise of the Resistance. I got boarding group 14, and I heard that people later in the evening were still getting boarding groups. Um, my group was called right away. I never ended up getting on the attraction, but just getting to walk around Star Wars Galaxy's Edge with relatively nobody there was a lot of fun in that nighttime ambience. Not decked out for Christmas, not what I expected to see. Um, and uh, I would never expect to see decked out for Christmas, but um, just a great experience to go and do that. So if you do want to have this be, I'm sure once word gets out, it might change. But if you do want it to be an after hours attraction event, you could probably hit a lot of attractions in that evening and maybe even get to all of them in the span of those four hours. Um, so Lou, I know you didn't get to get to them. Kelly, did you ride any attractions throughout the night? Yeah, we did three different attractions. So um, I was with people who aren't locals. They're big Disney fans. So, you know, the rides aren't priority, but it is definitely a different vibe when you're here on vacation versus being someone who gets to, you know, thankfully experience this a lot. But um, I was happy to go on rides that had no wait time. So we did do Rise the Resistance, um, completely walked on. And then we did Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and Tower of Terror, which I would say Tower of Terror is probably a must do for this event, even if you are a local, um, just because you get to walk out and the soiree is right there. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, I really like that the fact that it is at the exit of the attraction. It just was a perfect setting. Um, so, uh, you know, just a few questions to kind of wrap up our thoughts here. And, you know, there, I'm, I'm going to not beat around the bush for this one. There are some, as Lou mentioned at the beginning, reviews that <laughs> range in the spectrum. There are some harsh words, I think, used on the negative side um, if you go to those YouTube pages, uh, a lot of it, I think, a little embellished and sensationalized, but uh, you really are seeing this this wide range of opinions for this first night. So, sort of a two-part question, which, Kelly, I'll throw this over to you first. You know, what do you think Disney could maybe do differently or you know what were some of the the aspects that you think disney will maybe change for future events and do you have any thoughts around the the wide spectrum of of reviews and perhaps some of the reasons why there were such contrasting opinions about this particular event so i think in terms of things that they can do differently is 
you know, I think it's logistics. And just like we were talking about, it's the first night. It's just like when you have a Broadway show go live the first night, it's never going to be perfect. They're going to use that to kind of learn from, um, you know, the experience that they've had. So I think having two locations in the park for wristband distribution, like they do at Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, would help to kind of keep those those lines moving a little bit quicker. Um, I would love to see a different, uh, instead of having the jingle bell, jingle bam, um, fireworks, I'd love to see something different with that, but also the understanding that this is the first time of this event. So, um, they need to see if this has legs and, you know, before they're putting all that money into, um, the creation of fireworks. So I totally get that piece, but I would have loved to have something a little bit different and also something that kind of fit more with the theme of the evening. I think that was a little bit more, um, like cookie cutter Christmas, whereas this was more, you know, adult Christmas and we're going to have a cocktail in hand. Um, so I, I hope that they kind of take that, uh, which I know a lot of people have expressed that, uh, concern and maybe make some changes in years to come. Um, cause I do hope this event comes back. I did enjoy it. I think that I was the prime audience for this. I love old Hollywood. I love the MGM, um, you know, mentality of things and love Christmas. So, um, but I think, you know, people went into it with certain ex expectations and that's always where you come out, not on top. Um, so if you went into it with the expectation that I'm going to go to the first event and I'm just going to see how it goes, then you probably come out with you know, how I felt about it, which there was some great elements to it. There were some elements that, um, you know, I hope they make changes to throughout this time of the, you know, next few nights that they have. Um, and also I felt like I came out with a lot of information for families to be able to say to them, you know, this may be an opportunity for your family, or maybe if grandma and grandpa are coming, this can be a good date night for you guys um, versus bringing the kids along. So, you know, I, I think we're always going to hear the negative and the positive, and that's great. And everybody should take that in and then decide for themselves what's going to be the best opportunity for them. Yeah. Um, Lou, I know you and I are both very choose the good type of guys. Um, I try to be as, you know, realistic. I think I, you know, people sometimes coin me as an optimist, but I really think I'm more of a realist. It's just, it is what it is. Like, here's, here's the good, here's the bad. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you what, what uh that it was a complete disaster or a complete success it's usually somewhere in the middle um but what were your thoughts of areas of improvement or um you know since you and i both speak to a lot of people who um have lots of thoughts any uh thoughts about sort of those you know that wide spectrum of of opinions that we talked about I'm laughing because I have many thoughts but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know because look I think it's a shame sometimes that people come out and whether it's their stick, whether it's a way to get views or clicks, you know, you look at some of the thumbnails on YouTube and you're like, Oi, like really like it's very sensationalized. And because sometimes it is, it's, it's, you'll get more attention by being, you know, Jollywood nights was a disaster. Here's, you know, click on number seven. Here's why. Whereas opposed to, I think the way you and I try and frame things is look, this is what we saw. This was our opinion of it, but we just want to give you the information that we experienced so that you can judge for yourself. I do not think Jollywood Nights is for everybody. It's not. It's not everybody's event. There are certain people who are going to enjoy Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party far much more than they would. I also know that it's an investment. It's a significant event. You know, you want three people to go, you're in for $450 plus. So you do need to weigh all of these different things. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. But I will tell you that the Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party that you experienced in 2023 
is nothing like the very first Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party that you experienced 15, 20, 17 years ago, however long it was, the first one. It's an iterative process. And to, to your point, Kelly, there are certain things that can't happen tomorrow. You're not going to see a brand new stage show or a new fireworks show tomorrow. It's an event that lasts 10 nights. But can they learn? Does Disney listen? Absolutely. Trust me, they're paying attention to the feedback. I guarantee you the Brown Derby queue is not going to be the same on Saturday that it was last week. They're, they're going to iterate. They're going to improve. The Star Cruiser was the same way. Uh, sorry, not the Star Cruiser. The Hyperspace Lounge on the Wish was the same way. The system that they had in place to get people in and through did not work on day one. They were handwriting tickets with return times, you know, that next day. So they're going to figure it out. Um, I, I think that there's things that they can do to bring some additional entertainment and energy to certain areas like the the um the, the Chinese theater courtyard you know sort of is is this cavernous expansive space that could use a little bit more energy um I'd like to see more walk around characters bring back street atmosphere not just at the party but you know all the time um and I think there's there's small things that they can do and I've heard and I heard this from a number of people this is not unique to me that said you know, one thing that the Christmas party has that this doesn't, and look, this isn't ex like, you know, hour for hour, this is the most expensive party you're going to go to, right? For the number of hours that you get for the price you're going to pay. Having things like free refreshments as part of your price, whether it is water, cookies, mocktails, a specialty Christmas churro, whatever it is, it's not about the money, but it's about perception. Right. The, the, the little things that you get make a big difference. So I think that's I think that's if I sort, of, sort of summarize. Right. Like perception and perspective are a very big factors in whether or not you will enjoy Jollywood nights. Hopefully people who listen are sort of armed with the information. And say, yeah, this sounds cool. I'd like to have an adult night or a date night or a night out with some friends to maybe even get dressed up a little bit and just sip and savor this park as opposed to commando style and he's very merry christmas party trying to do it all and get every single snack yeah i i agree with a lot of that i i think that the term negativity bias certainly applies to a lot of things on social media this the negative stuff does get the most attention um it's just the way that our brains are wired so that's what you're going to see i feel like there i went into this perhaps with the expectation that there was going to be imperfection. Uh, I think that, you know, sometimes we put Disney up on a pedestal and we think Disney is able to, because of their decades of experience, execute on every operational thing perfectly. But when it comes to something new, it's extremely difficult to have perfection on the first night. So, um, you know, certainly I went in with the expectation that there was going to be some imperfections. I went away with my expectations actually being exceeded, um, I didn't expect it to be a disaster, um, and it certainly wasn't. Uh, but my expectations were certainly exceeded. I went in with the expectation that there were going to be some operational issues, some perhaps it would not be a you know a full blown out party. Like they'd still be trying to figure out what to add in in the future. And I even from the very beginning said I paid for this night. And I'll tell you now, now even you know, several days later, thinking about it, still, I would happily pay to do it again. Um, I would absolutely go back to this party. I had a great time. There were things that I wanted to get to, I didn't get the chance to go to, um, and 
there's, you know, I could probably do this again in a completely different way <laughs> than I did the first night. And I will, because I learned from the mistakes that I personally made at this party. And I'm hoping that episodes like these that are trying to inform about some of the decisions we made, the mistakes that we made, the things we would do differently are going to help inform you listening to have an even greater experience. Um, because ultimately, you know, sometimes people criticize me for saying, if I say something's great, I'm doing a disservice. If it's not, um, I think it's the other way around. If someone is saying it's not great and discouraging you from going, and because of that, you never go and experience it for yourself. That's really doing the disservice. Like you, I want to encourage you to go and check it out if it's right for you. Um, if it's not right for you, then of course, this is probably not something you want to experience. We talked a lot about, and I think we've kind of summarized here that really more of that adults experience if you are looking for that sip and savor vibe take things casually at a slower pace um a date night probably not the best event for kids i did see kids i did see kids having a good time but i wouldn't say that this is a kids event um it's disney friendly so kids are welcome they did have alien swirling saucers open mickey and minnie's runaway railway um toy story mania lots of snacks for kids to try to shows that they can enjoy but really more, I think, of uh, an adult-focused event if you're thinking about how to fit this into your family vacation. I want to open it up. Um, any final thoughts or anything that we didn't mention um, about Jollywood Nights or sort of any final thoughts about the evening? And Kelly, again, I'll throw this one over to you first. I think the only thing I would say is just, um, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Matt. I think I encourage people to try it and see if it is a good fit for them when they're checking it out. Um, but I would say if you are going to go take advantage of dressing up, um, that's one thing that I didn't do and I will I do next either. time. Yeah. Um, I felt like I wasn't part of the, the group, you know, and I saw all these people that were just dressed to the nines. Um, so if you're a Dapper Day fan, I think this is a great event. Um, but even if you're not and you just want to dip your toe into the Dapper Day, I think this is a good time to do it. Yeah. Lou, anything on your end? Yeah, I know. I just echo, you know, I think we're all sort of in agreement in terms of, of what the event is, who it might be for and you having to judge yourself and, you know, a lot of it comes, you know, it's it's on you, you know, sort of to make the event you know, as much or as little as you want it to be. You know, if you want to, um, if you dig that retro vibe, if you want to do something a little bit more upscale, if you like the live entertainment, yeah, this event is probably going to be for you. If you're looking for something that is more along the, the Christmas party, then maybe it's not. And I also, you know, again, I'm sensitive to the fact that, you know, tickets are, are costly. Um, you know, I've, I've, put my money down as well. I've got six tickets for, for next Monday night. So I'm, I'm looking forward to going back like you, Matt, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back and experiencing it again without my phone in my hand the entire time. And uh, if it's not 97 degrees, maybe we'll even get a little dressed up. Yeah. Yeah. This was a little warm. As I, as I mentioned on your show, I was not packing my tux when I saw the <laughs> forecast, but great events to uh, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, not a not a not a real formal tux, but uh, you actually probably could. I did see people there, uh, Kelly. To your point, that were really you know dressed to the nines for this uh, for this party. Uh, so, last question, just so people know where to go to find both of you. I'll start with you, Kelly. Um, where can people go to learn more about you? Uh, so you can check us out on our website. We're kmvtravel.com. Um, but then I also have my Instagram, which is Kelly's Magical Vacations. 
And Lou, I know people, you know, you're kind of a new name in this space. People don't really know where to go to find you, but <laughs> do you want to plug where people can go to, uh, to hear your show? Yeah. So everything I do um, can be found at WDW. That stands for Walt Disney World. WDWradio.com. Um, I'm also at Lou Mangello on all social um, and also at LouMangello.com. I'll make sure to plug all that uh, in the show notes, description of this episode. But uh, Kelly, Lou, want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode and spending so much time going over all the details of the opening night for Disney Jollywood Nights. Thanks, buddy. This was fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Welcome back to Imagination Central. As you disembark, please remember to remain fully seated until the podcast comes to a complete stop, then gather your belongings and watch your head and step as you exit. After you exit the episode, I encourage you to engage with the show by following Imagination Skyway on your favorite social media app. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it out with anyone who might enjoy our discussion today, no matter how you share the show, and leave us a rating or a review in your favorite podcast app, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which are the two largest podcast apps here in the United States. If you're listening on Spotify, or if you're already following us on social media, be sure to answer the question associated with this episode, which is, are you going to attend Disney Jollywood Nights? And if you are, what are you most looking forward to seeing, doing, eating, or experiencing at this holiday event? Also, be sure to explore Imagination Skyway on the Patreon app or at patreon.com, where you can enjoy bonus podcast episodes, on-demand scenic audio recorded at the parks, and even more content that you can enjoy, as well as a private community of listeners where we host weekly watch parties, small group video call calls, and lots more fun for you to enjoy. Last, but certainly not least, remember that achieving your dreams all begins with some self-belief, a plan of action, perhaps a bit of inspiration. It's all possible if you're willing to put in the time, the energy, and the work to make your dreams come to life. Thank you so much for riding aboard Imagination Skyway, and remember, as always, if we can dream it, we can do it. What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? What's this? Children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. The busy building toys. Absolutely.